I don't know if you've heard me describe this on the podcast before. Uh, I'm sort of like post-scarcity, techno-utopian sort of, that's where I am. Yeah. Um, and so it is kind of like anarcho-communism, mm -hmm. but like technology is required to be integrated into right. it. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so the... Uh, the internet has sort of lovingly named it fully automated luxury gay space communism. L luxury gay <laughs> space communism. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, Let's yeah. do it. Um, and whenever I was, uh, younger and sorry to people who have heard me say these things <laughs> a lot on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but whenever I was younger, I watched, uh, these documentaries. I don't know if you've seen the Zeitgeist documentaries. The yes. first one's like very edge lordy. Okay, like, I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah, that was fine. Okay. <laughs> um, the first one's very edge lordy, but then uh, the guy made like two other ones that were like a little bit more uh, like structured in their approach, I guess. Because mm -hmm. the first one was just like religion is fake and like 9-11 was an inside job yeah. and like money isn't real and it's like there's there's truth to those but like the way that he approached it was very like edgelord so you're uh, right yeah and so uh peter like, joseph what do is, i do with this information yeah yeah <laughs> peter joseph is the the director but then uh he did other ones and and started bringing up uh what's called the venus project and the venus project the creator jacques fresco uh, he passed away several years ago, but uh, he was like 90 something um, or maybe he was 101. I think he reached 100. But like he uh, he whoa. lived through the Great Depression. Whoa. And um, I don't know. I like that was such a big whoa. I'm just well, like, he was 100. He's just old as fuck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Um, but like he saw the way it, just like the very simple. Like. We need resources right. and people are starving and hungry and dying, yeah. but like, it's not that there aren't resources. Yep. It's just that like, for whatever reason, the stock market crashed and people lost their jobs. <laughs> yeah, Is that what? Where was like, the Vietnam War? Where did it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was before, or that was just after World War II. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, it was like. There's like this gap. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was it before World War II or after World War II? What? Great Depression. Wow, I'm terrible at history. That was before, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, before World War II. Sorry. Uh, but, like, yeah, he saw that, like... Yeah, it was 1930s. We have resources. Like, it's not like there weren't things to give out to people. Yeah. But it's just that the system was structured so stupidly yeah. that, like this imaginary thing was keeping people from obtaining resources. Right. And everyone's just like, Oh no, we just don't have any. <laughs> yeah. And so he took it upon himself to just like, all right, if I was to like redraw earth from scratch and like restructure society, how would we design things in such a way that would be like cities, like uh, designing the cities itself, like cities or? and like, society in general oh, okay. so just like uh yeah cities and what we would do with land and how we would structure distribution of resources how we would structure farmland and how we would be integrated within nature yeah. rather than be 
sort of trying to be outside yeah, of it like and we are. dominate it. Yeah. And so he sort of redesigned the way that like society should be. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of just made it his life's goal to like, that's the goal. Yeah. And like, let's take steps to get there because there is a way to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of like ever since I was a teenager, that's kind of where my brain has been. And so it's like, I've, I've observed the like communist writings and stuff like that. But the, for me, what Marx was missing was the like complete implementation of technology. I mean, yeah, totally. Yeah. I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, It's also just like philosophical ideas, you know? Yes. He was a good writer. (laughs) Yes. But it is like, there, there is a lot of truth to yeah. what he was saying in that, like, yeah, eventually the exploited will not want to be exploited anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's also just, like, there are people before Marxism that, like, were just, like, Cuba. Cuba was a big uh, communist and, uh, like, South Africa. Like, there's other, there's other ideas than just, like, the white old man's perspective. That, like, he's even said that, like, look to indigenous people for these practices. Exactly. Like, I'm not the, like, founder of this idea, you know. But, sorry. Yeah, no, uh, well, go ahead. This is yeah. a conversation. <laughs> yeah, it was just a good segue um, to what I've been thinking about. But um, it's just as like, you know, with the pandemic, we're, we're going to go back to that. Yeah, but yeah. like when, you know, when everything happened, I don't know if you saw like New York specifically, the mayor, which I'm not going to say I'm like a whole like, oh, yeah, the mayor of New York's amazing. But he did have the thought of like, man, we have so many farmers with milk and like there's so many people without milk in the city. Like, let's just start getting trucks to these farms and like just distribute this produce. Which I'm not saying that's like sustainable to have like 20 trucks go to this one farm and then feed everyone for a day. Like, that's not sustainable. That's just a Band-Aid solution. We've all heard that term. But it was like definitely waking people up to that idea of like, okay, we have all this production, but like it's just not being processed or like uh, marketed the right way or just given out sustainably. Like we're just uh, resource hoarding. Like we've always been. Um, And that's why it gets interesting in the Great Depression where like what people did. Because you always hear about like the older, which is kind of a different topic, but the older farmers, like, you know, they did what they could. They worked with the soil erosion and like they were trying to fix these issues and the moms took care of the kids. But like, what were the teenagers doing? They were living in buses. (laughs) And that's just really funny to see like how a lot of people right now, including myself, are like getting into like van life, trailer life, tiny living. It's like "Mm -hmm, we're doing like what our heritage like has innately told us to do, which is like live very, very small and within your means. Mm -hmm. Because that's like our solution is like if we all live small, then like there's more for everyone. But like you're saying, like, I don't completely agree with like going back to like just tribal era of like sticks and stones because I do also believe in technological investment mm-hmm. advancement and that like could actually help us right. that's one thing I do commend China for I'm going to say be honest is their techno- technology it's amazing and like their agriculture technology specifically and how they fed people and brought people out of poverty mm-hmm. um, I don't know how you feel on that but The studies that I've done, I mean, they've done great with their marketing and uh, economic values. I know they're like pretty big capitalist sympathizers. (laughs) They're not like completely communist. Well, the the difference, though, then is, is that like they also don't mind like destroying natural resources. And so like, yeah, they're able to kind of optimize systems. But if if the whole like foundation of the system is still okay with 
destroying or like polluting a huge amount into the environment, then you're, you're just going to like run yourself into the ground. And so that's the, the very commonly thrown around phrase is there's no such thing as uh, ethical consumption under capitalism is because whenever the whole philosophy that the world is built upon is based on maximize no matter what, Mm -hmm. then you're, you're going to hit the upper limit because the earth is really abundant, but it's not that abundant. (laughs) And it is especially not abundant if you are destroying everything on the way. And so there are ways of like restoring everything and, but like, we can't just allow China to like, you know, pollute the air and pollute the right. environment and pollute yeah. everything. I just think it's amazing that only like 15% of their land is like actually farmable and they like maximize that production, mm. which is like incredible to me. I'm going to yeah. be honest. Like there's just certain things with their technological investment advancement, specifically with agriculture that I'm like, holy heck like they do have good answers here with like what they're doing but i'm not gonna say like they are the answer sure sure i just think there's like little scatters of like good things going on there i'm not gonna say i believe their government because i don't and like what they're saying but i'm also not completely anti china because i'm just like "Mm." right (laughs) they got some good ideas But, and kind of going back to... But they do exploit their people in, like, terrible sweatshops yeah. and stuff like that. And, like, they do cause a lot of pollution within, like, their one-time-use products. So, like, I'm yeah. there with you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but going back to the thought of, like, in the Great Depression, it's like, oh, all the farmers were, like, trying their best and, like, figuring it out. But, like, the thing is, is that even farming systems, and you know more about this than I do, but, like, farming systems that we have been using for the longest time are still incredibly inefficient because of like whenever you are doing like monocrops. Yeah, I mean, that's how the Dust Bowl happens. Exactly. You're pulling all of the resources (laughs) out of- And we're still doing that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, and And we also like made a lot of chemicals like legal that are Mm -hmm. like should not be in the earth, like things that were illegal and now legalized to make mass production at a higher rate. Yeah. Yeah. And so like- We think we're so smart and... This is our involvement. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But it's like, we know, we know how it works. We know how it's destroying things, but we're like not doing anything about it. So I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Christopher Ryan. He wrote a book called Sex at Dawn. Yes. Um, And he's always sort of talking about like going or like applying the values of hunter-gatherer culture to... Very tribal-based. Yeah. Yeah. And so not all of that can apply now, obviously, because of the way that the system is structured, but the the way that we can, I don't know, just analyze how society is built through that lens can sort of help us better restructure. So um, he has this idea of like how corporations are macro intelligences or meta intelligences. And so the interests of the corporation outweigh the interests of the individuals within it. Right. And it is alive in a manner of speaking Mm -hmm. because it is doing things 
with its own intentions or its own goals that are outside of the interests of the individuals within it. He always uses this example of like if an executive at Exxon like goes on a trip with his son and like discovers how like, oh man, the earth is beautiful and we should be protecting it. We're destroying it. You know, he like goes to Exxon's uh, executive meeting and goes like, oh, we should like stop polluting the earth. Like mm-hmm. he'll be fired and replaced immediately. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so. I mean, even like trying to do like reasonable straws, everyone was like, this is dumb. <laughs> Anyways, that was a side topic. <laughs> right. But like, it is also stuff like that. That's like, we we're not doing things even in our own interest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And and so, like, I don't know, some part of it is, like, what can I do about it? <laughs> Which is, I don't know, a little defeatist, but, like, at the same time, like, I don't know what I can do about it yeah. because I'm... I'm a musician. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, that's not what I right. expertise in. But I can also just tell people that there are different ways of looking at society or yeah. different ways of uh, structuring thought, different ways of structuring the way that we interact with the world. Yeah. And maybe so at some point these ideas will make their way and distribute themselves so that it's more commonly known because it is kind of like, and here's like a bigger thing, which is that like, Ideas are what shape who and what we are. Yeah, thoughts are powerful. Um, and kind of even the thing that we said about like, you can fake it till you make it, honestly, is has an influence on reality. If people think that you are capable of something that you don't even know if you are, <laughs> like that's more real than what you are actually capable of. That's what con men do. <laughs> and so when you believe that, uh, for example, I had like the one guy involved in Firefest who was reasonable on, yeah, oh my gosh, on the podcast. He, yes. uh, <laughs> and it was kind of like any, any thought of like, no, like we can save this or anyone trying to like go in and be reasonable it's like hey you know this thing's fucked we should just like try our best to give people their money back yeah and anyone that said that was like immediately kicked out of the room oh my gosh i didn't know that yeah firefest is a shit show yeah that was like how many years ago like six seven years ago yeah um that was crazy anyways yeah there's so much trash left on the island and everything like that was insane yeah (laughs) but it's like it wasn't about what they were actually doing. Right. It was just about the perception Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. And, like, getting the Instagram models and the advertisements mm. and making it look like it's this total big celebration. And they have, like, these, like, what, like, six tents with, like, air mattresses in it. Mm. And, like, the food was, like, <laughs> a sandwich with, like, lettuce and, like, bologna yeah. or something. <laughs> I didn't know that they were trying to give the people money back and, like, stop it, though. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, there was some people trying to, like make it be okay. <laughs> yeah. And then like the main guy was just like, I'm, I'm going to yeah. get all the money I can. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's almost like the idea. Of, this is kind of t- different, but like, um, on the 
topic of like Woodstock, you know, mm-hmm. where like they're like, oh, we're going to book all these amazing bands and we're going to like get all this money and we're going to be bank like billionaires. And then all these people started coming and like tearing down the fence and they were like, dude, this shit's got to be free. Like they were trying to like take people's tickets in the basket and like get people to put money in it. And then the people were like, nah, this, this is going to be a free event. Like it's just free. Like let's just have a good time. But like, man, if the world just worked like that, yeah. where, like you saw how much people were in need of things and you're just like, eh. It's free, but I'm not going to say Woodstock was, like, all amazing. I mean, they literally had to send in, like, helicopters, like, food and water because Mm. people had none, and then we're, like, stuck there, essentially. But, uh, man, if we could just work like that (laughs) to be like, "Mm, for the better of everyone, let's just just make it free and, like, figure it out in a a different way. (laughs) But the thing is, is that, like, that's what starts happening as soon as the social order breaks down. Yeah. Is, like, in... When you're in a riot, I've never been in a riot, but like (laughs) when you're in a riot, the like, oh, I should, you know, be mindful of the person that's next to me and not push them down or like all of that goes out the window and it's like, fuck everything, throw everything, (laughs) like it, it, everything goes away. (laughs) And then it's like, you know, you see one person break a window and start grabbing things from the store. It's like, well. (laughs) <laughs> this is suddenly okay now. Yeah, because you're saying it's okay, and the other person is, so the hurt effect. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, that kind of goes back to that idea of, like, what our perceptions are is what actually drives our behavior. Mm, uh, uh, that's that's a good, that's a good, yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's a good point. And so there is sort of, like, it, it's a lot of propaganda, um, so... Do you know why we eat bacon and eggs for breakfast? I mean, I'm sure it was just because the government was like, oh, these are going to be really healthy for you. And then they're like, we need to sell bacon and eggs, y'all. Like, (laughs) what was it? It was because the, like, the bacon and eggs, like, industry, corporations, whatever, were like, we need to get people to do this. And so they were, they just, like, made it. A thing like a marketing campaign to be like like everyone eats bacon and eggs for breakfast and now it's just a part of the culture oh (laughs) man that's that's okay i didn't know like the in-depth history but i figured it was just from capitalism trying to like get money off of the industry same thing with i mean uh, is it labor day where it's like they just needed to like get beer sales up and so they just like made the day up where like people in military-based companies could get off and we're like just get a bunch of beer and get drunk (laughs) like i mean there's there's, there's tons a of bunch holidays. of holidays. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's but a, specifically the ones that aren't around like organized religious holidays, <laughs> like the ones that like Labor Day or what was the other one? Um, St. Patrick's Day. Like, sure. <laughs> who actually celebrates that? <laughs> that is Irish. Um, no yeah. one. <laughs> but yeah, definitely for beer sales. Right, and and everything <laughs> that. Like same thing with milk, like we talked about, or like they were trying to say that like milk helps with like bone mass and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's really no, I mean, come at me, I guess, you know, <laughs> but there's like really no genuine study that like people need to be eating milk. It yeah. was just like to sell milk. <laughs> right. And all of those little things of like these perceptions of things, uh, breath mints, for example, or mouthwash. Mm. Those were things like they were putting out ads that were just like, your breath stinks, yes. get mouthwash. And it's like that that wasn't actually a thing. They just yeah. had like people put on lab coats and be like, your breath stinks. And <laughs> this, 
<laughs> we need to make money. Help me make money. It's the same thing with like we we mentioned the patriarch. I mean, we can talk about that all the day, all day. But like the things that men have invented for women that like were so unnecessary, like bras <laughs> and the tampons, not even good for women. Women's mm. bodies. A lot of people actually get like what's it called, menstrual shock um, from it, and uh, not good for our bodies. Doesn't fit. It's not comfortable. And the man made it for us. So just like with curling or eyelashes, mm. that was just a feminine product that was made by a man. Um, and it was redesigned by a man too, I think. Cause it initially was like this, like, I forget. Anyways, it was really, it was a really dangerous thing to have. It was called the bear claw or something. And people would get like eye infections and like it would snap onto their eye. It was not good for them. But then it got designed into a little like clasp thing that you would put down softly on your eyelash. We don't need that. Um, and then of course there's other things. I mean, bras is a big one. I haven't worn a bra since I was like. 14 15 yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't shave my legs because there's no reason for it like not shame on anyone that finds empowerment by the way in shaving or wearing a bra these are just my subtle things that I do because I don't want to spend more money than what I need to and yeah. I don't need a man's design to tell me on how to work my body exactly <laughs> and I know that's a very radical perspective but I feel comfortable in that I mean I'm just trying to be as open as I can mm-hmm. to anyone that does find empowerment in those things because it makes them look nice or whatever but I love having hairy legs because it recognizes that I'm a human Mm -hmm. and that we all have body hair and it also makes men face the fact that like women have hair Mm -hmm. like I think a lot of men in my opinion that who don't like body hair on women are also because they're like they don't want to date a woman that has body hair because it makes them feel like they're gay and it's that whole concept of like men don't want to lay down with a woman that has hairy armpits or legs because it's like oh I might be sleeping with a man it's like but what if you were like (laughs) you know like I mean I'm not saying you have to be gay (laughs) like I'm just saying it's okay to like push those boundaries as a woman but this is a whole nother thing of like the patriarch but it's just this unnecessary designs that we're just putting on people for capitalist exploitation yeah Yeah, it ties all in together like oppression so sure and but i mean we let those sort of capitalistic like marketing propaganda things in our heads because we are like really holding on to what people think about us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what people are comfortable with, you yeah. know? I mean, pushing Have the- you ever tried not giving a fuck? Right. <laughs> yes. And I've had a lot of people be like, man, Megan, like, I, I really do support you, but, like, I will never be able to do what you do. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, mm-hmm. talk louder than someone else or talk louder than specifically other men around here in our circles? Like, I will never not do that. <laughs> like, I am so fine with being abrupt and, like, annoying to men. Like, I'm so okay with it. <laughs> well, even, even further than that, then, like, calling people out and being like, oh, I'm so like scared to say the things that you're saying. But it's like, if it's a thing that needs to be said, why aren't we saying it? Yeah. And I mean, if there's things that like need to be cleared, I'm totally fine with that. When things are obviously not right, like Mm -hmm. specifically with like sexual objectifying and venue owners that do that here in Oklahoma City that I've had personal experience with, it's just like, "Mm, do I really want to keep booking at your place while I'm getting is like $50, like in some free beer? Like, I really don't want that. So it's just that whole thing of like, where do these lines blur of like, 
being accepted of like my own power. I'm like, oh, well, I'm badass no matter what. And then being able to implement that and make people also question like, oh, maybe we should just change that and like make it to where people don't have to like fight for this resistance. Or it's just like you just get accepted in the community and treated like the other man in the room, you know. And I'm not saying that women can't be sexist. They definitely can. But they are also benefiting from that system if they are sexist <laughs> because well they're not benefiting from it i should say they're like they're being able to like they're just not as harmed by it yeah, because of their behavior yeah and they're also oppressing themselves so they're not in the end benefiting from it but they're also just being able to like mirage with everything where like they just kind of like go away which i i understand that like finding your voice is hard but growing up i <laughs> i grew up around like very hardcore I mean, like, literally, like, metal rock girls that were only black all of the time that were, like, hardcore feminists and, like, five or six years older than me. So when I was in high school, I was already getting fed those perspectives, and that's—I stopped shaving when I was, like, 14, because I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm not gonna—I can spend time doing something else rather than shaving my legs every day. Like, that's such a waste for a man's approval. Like, I am so good. And it's also a great deterrent to, like, for people, like, I don't date girls with hairy legs. Okay, cool. Like, (laughs) I'm also not entirely a girl. So you can like walk on, you right. know, you're thinning the herd. Yay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, I'm not saying I only interact with people that agree with me, but with people that are accepting of people that don't fit so great in boxes. I mean, like, yeah, I'm more inclined to hang out with you, but I'm not going to shut down a conversation with people that want to question me. But I also won't allow like a toxic energy field. Like my energy is very important to me and I like to conserve it for like bigger and higher things rather than like arguing with men on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just like, I've a big like I will definitely open conversation but I also have a big border of security around me and I have to you just have to Mm -hmm. you have to allow things like the whole good or bad yes or no baby like Mm -hmm. will I really allow that or am I just gonna keep moving on and knowing how powerful I am yeah yeah but we don't recognize how much those little decisions actually take over the rest of our lives yeah and so uh one of my favorite things is uh friend, teacher, uh-huh. both, yes. um, from ACM is a uh, Rob Derrick. He had Veritas or has Veritas tattooed on his hand. Okay. Um, and so whenever it's on his right hand, so whenever you like shake someone's hand, it like says truth on his hand. And so it's like, if there's someone that is against tattoos, that he's like, you know, doing a job interview for, like they will see the tattoo on his hand. Mm. And it's like, you, you're going to expect me to wear gloves every day to work, yeah. huh? You know? And so it's like right away, it's like, this is who I am. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then we're just not going to work together. And it's fine because for him, it's like, I wouldn't have enjoyed working there anyway. Exactly. It's the same thing with anything, man. Like I was in the service industry for a really long time and I was so tired of getting mistreated and unheard by so many different people. (laughs) Um, And just seeing the shitty, shitty managers and how we treat our staff and service workers in general, Mm -hmm. like customer service people deserve so much more than what we get. And like, that's the whole thing is like being able to thin out again, like these ideas of like, well, you're just making people uncomfortable. It's like, are we, or are we just wanting to be comfortable in a society that people won't accept us? Like, it's just like it's okay to push those limits like y'all need to be okay with that with people not being okay with every decision you make and also knowing you don't have to please everyone like that's so exhausting like if I sat in my room trying to figure out every single way to please someone like I would literally not be able to exist like there's no way I can please everyone so all I can do is live in my truth man and like hope that people accept that and if they don't just like ask them why and if it 
turns into something heinous, I mean, you move on. Like, don't let that in your life. And yeah. what happens on the internet doesn't just stay on the internet. It's real life, too. So, like, call people out on that, too. Like, whatever they're sharing, if it's an issue or transphobic, like, let them know. Like, hey, buddy, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't have said that. Like, word travels fast and, fast and also, like, again, words are powerful. Like, what we see and what we digest and what we allow will become our reality. And we just have to keep very um, mindful of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, a podcast that I've been listening to called Feeling Good okay. by mm, Dr. David Burns. There it is. Okay. Well, I'm just blinking on names. Oh, uh, I've done that like yeah. 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he invented this uh, rapid form of cognitive therapy. It's called Team CBT. Okay. Um, and anyways, that's just like the preface for who David Burns is. But like the podcast has done wonders for my mental health because like I can't afford a therapist, but I'm mentally healthy enough to just like accept ideas and apply them into my life rather than have to like be really specific with a one-on-one therapist. But um, the one thing that is really interesting in what he has talked about on the podcast is people who have high anxiety tend to be really nice people. Mm-hmm. And it's because they're people that are worried about what other people yeah. think about them. Yeah. And so when you are making every decision in your life based on what other people are going to think about you or think about what you did, then you get really hung up on every single little decision and it, it weighs on you. Yeah. And so it's not so much to say that like, don't be nice. Cause like you can be nice. You can be a kind person yeah. without having to stand up for people or deal with people's shit. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, the, a little negative comment or something, maybe a little transphobic or a little sexist. You don't have to just like, oh, well, eh, that may be uncomfortable, but like, I don't want to make a big deal about it. Yeah. And it's like, well, you don't have to make a big deal yeah. about it. You can just be like, hey, I don't like that you said that. Yeah. Just letting you know. Yeah. And then if they make a big deal about it, they're the one making a big deal about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if something's obviously dangerous, I mean, there's obviously levels to this. But if it's just like simple conversations where someone's like just not quote unquote woke to that idea yet. I mean, you just got to like wake them up a little bit. Just be like, hey, buddy, what was that about? And then just try to see where that stems from, because usually it's from whatever they were learned as a kid and like whatever their religious aspect or background was. And I'm not saying give people excuses. I'm just saying, again, like meeting people where they're at is important, which I've had a very hard time learning, but have had to learn it in order to like actually have some kind of uh progressive conversation with people Mm -hmm. instead of just being like black and white about things because like three years ago I was absolutely black and white and now I feel more there's polar opposites when I'm like oh I literally don't know what's going on like I am dumb (laughs) but also like I know once I know some things like oh it's whatever the people have told me and informed me and what I've digested myself like Mm -hmm. "Ah, I can reflect on this um well we're all trying our best but like the yes you do kind of want to be able to gauge like is this a situation in which I feel safe enough to say something. And so it's like, if it is, you know, just a friend of yours that like says shitty things every once in a while, (laughs) you can probably be honest with them. Or your dad. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that depends. But yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> but like, if it is just like a friend of yours that says shitty things every once in a while, you can kind of just be like, "Hey, man, we've known each other a long, a long time. Mm, I don't like this." Yeah. And most of the time, it's gonna be like, "Oh shit, I didn't realize yeah, that yeah, yeah. that was upsetting you." Yeah. And like, if if you're on the same page, you're on the same page, yeah. and it's like, "Oh, cool, got it." I'll work on it, you know, and people that care about you will try to continue to care about you. And, but that's also a good way of cutting negative people out of your life if that's what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, sometimes there are some people that like, I have done everything that I can Mm -hmm. to try and make this work. Right. The rest is, you know, I'm going to continue to be open to whenever you are ready. Yeah. And it's also not always our own responsibility to take care of someone like that and to inform them. Like what I've had a big thing of is like setting that boundary of like, okay, well like I've done what I can, but like also just we're doing the same type of work or exist in the exact same type of community. It doesn't mean we have to be best friends. So it's just like that thing of like, I respect you living and existing as a person, but like, do I have to invite you mentally and physically into my space? Like I don't, but I don't have to like hate you either. You know, it's just like, we're going to be in the same community. So we got to figure this out. But if they're an actual dangerous person, again, there's polars to this, there's levels that we can go to, but simply like, like, what I ran into is like, okay, well, I found someone that's like really problematic, but like we're in the same like center field of everything, and like we got the same opinions and political ideas, and like doing the same work. Like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? And it's that whole thing of like call out culture where it's like they just disappear. But it's like, no, at some point or the other, you're gonna have to run into them again, and it's gonna be a whole thing. But it's also gonna be fine. Like, it's not this like huge detrimental thing if you just had like an internet argument with someone that you had a disagreement with. Like, what I was told is that like this time that you spend thinking about everyone else, those people are going to be thinking about other people too. So it's like, we're all thinking about everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. and then we're also just thinking about ourselves. And so there's really no time to just constantly waste that. Like mm-hmm. we have to be more productive of like, okay, well we did that thing anyways. Like, I'm not saying don't learn from those mistakes, yeah. but like, don't hold yourself down either. Like that will do no one good. Yeah. You have to keep moving. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. Right. Well, and the other part is like, I'm capable of coexisting with people that I disagree with. Yeah. Inter- I was not at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I've interviewed over a hundred people on this podcast mm-hmm. since 2016. And yeah, there's people I like des- definitely disagree with, but, and something that a guest recently said, which I felt as well, is that like he was listening to someone else's podcast and in the place where he would have been like, oh, well, actually, or like where he would have interrupted to like make a counter argument. Since it was a podcast, he was just listening to it. And by hearing him out, he was like, oh, okay. I respect that that's where you are. And like, yeah. cool, we're good. Yeah. And so it's like, you don't have to agree with everything with someone else. Just like. Respecting it. Yeah. Listening long enough to acknowledge that like, oh, I can respect how you got there and why yeah. you're there. And so like, we're good. Yeah. Um, but there, there is that part of like listening long enough to be able to understand. Yeah. And as long as those understandings don't, don't lead to like harmful ideologies towards like other people, even then it's like, okay, well, let's talk about what that effect would be of this idea, you know? 
Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I was not very good at like listening mm-hmm. to people I disagreed with. Cause even, I don't know how you feel about Joe Rogan, but like <laughs> my partner, like, likes Joe Rogan, not like as a diehard Joe Rogan fan as much mm-hmm. as they were before, but they were also listening to Christian Pearson. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about Christian Pearson, but like, he's definitely like in my books, a misogynist. Christian and, like, Pearson or Jordan, Pe- Jordan oh, Peterson? Oh, sorry. Jordan Pearson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Not Christian no, Pearson. I am so sorry. Um, Jordan Pearson, right? That's mm-hmm. what you said. Yeah. Him. And, uh, even then I was like, okay, I can see like you, you take, you take things like you nitpick of like what he says and like you live. But I'm like, also, have you looked at like what he is as a person, like in a whole idea, like mm-hmm. what his whole goal is and not just like these little philosophical things that he's feeding you yeah. or these like YouTube edited videos are like, he smashed the feminist radical yeah. da da the, at the campus college, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, we had to really. Ben Shapiro, but yeah. Ben uh, Shapiro, yeah, uh, but he does do that. Joe yeah. Pearson does do that, but yeah, Ben Shapiro too. Um, anyways. I actually just fucking hate Ben Shapiro. Not <laughs> not even so much because of his ideas, but he's just like a whiny little prick. Yes, and yeah, yeah. He's, he's not an unlikable he's person. Not, not smart. <laughs> he's playing like he's smart. <laughs> but yeah, he's not a good time. Uh, I would not invite him to my party. <laughs> But anyways, I still, I was like, man, I'm in a relationship with this person and I'm obviously not going to break them up because they listen to these people that I disagree with. I'm just going to talk to them more about like what in the end these core ideas are, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's important to get down to the root of like, well, again, like what were you taught as a child? What did you grow up around? And like, again, like meeting people where they're at, that was a very hard thing for me to do to like accept that there are people that completely like not even completely agree. Like I know people exist on the other side of the spectrum, but people even in my own circle that are like capitalist sympathizers but consider themselves to be communists where I'm like but do you understand what those words mean though and then we get to the depth of like what these things actually mean (laughs) and then it's like oh I wasn't connecting da 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 and it's like well that's why conversations are important but also like I learned things from you in that conversation yeah exactly so yeah (laughs) we can listen long enough to meet people where they're at there's so like for me I even have um I have like my idealism and my pragmatism Uh and those are like not wildly different philosophies but like they're different in that i have to be pragmatic because i exist in the real world and the fact that like i now am doing my own business full time Mm. i have to like apply capitalistic ideas just to exist (laughs) and so it doesn't mean that i'm like yeah like uh, oh gosh, who's the who's the guy that everyone keeps quoting in podcasts? Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk is like the the man. Is like I I don't care, but <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's like some cool ideas there, I guess, and it works for people. But like I straight up hate you know neoliberalism right yeah yeah and that's the that's the capitalist sympathizer that we're coming Mm -hmm. from is like people that are also like yeah mutual aid is awesome but like we also need capitalism like do you know that mutual aid is here because capitalism is failing like that's Mm -hmm. literally why it was invented by like was it aab um african-american what was the let me see (laughs) sorry i just want to make sure i get this right and hey here's a nice little thing to throw in is that like it's okay to not be sure about something and then mm. look it up and then be like, oh, I was wrong. And here is the actual answer. It's very okay to admit defeat or admit that you were wrong or admit uh, any sort of negative thing about yourself because you're a human being. Yes. I have been able to grow so much in letting go of things like that and just being like, oh, 
I was wrong. I'm glad I learned this. And whenever you accept something as I'm glad I learned this or thank you for enlightening me on this instead of, oh, man, like they're just trying to put me down or like I'm mad instead, like, hey, I learned something new. That's good. Man, I can't I can't find the actual like drawn out definition, but it's AAB, which is like African American. It could be like African American Black Communist Party that was introduced mm-hmm. in America, but that's how it got introduced here. Was through that with like uh, Angela Davis and mm-hmm. Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King was even one. <laughs> and then like the Red Scare happened, and they were like the Black Panthers are bad, like we already talked about. Right, but right. yeah, anyways, and um, that's where you're talking about capitalist sympathizers. So I yeah, had to yeah. take that little break. No, you're good. Uh, there was a point where I like was listening to a lot of Joe Rogan. Uh, but then he went exclusive to Spotify. And then I like, yes. I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. So oh, I was you just don't. like, yeah. And so I was just like, oh, okay. Well, I guess Joe, Rod- Joe Rogan's out of my life now. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, would you consider that a sellout to you? Or is that just because, why do you think that is? Uh, that he went to complete his Spotify? I mean, it, they did give him a lot of money. And then he moved to Austin, Texas to avoid taxes from California. He said it was because of the pandemic. (laughs) Joe Rogan makes a lot of money off of the podcast. (laughs) He just got a whole bunch of money from Spotify. And he is very much into like being independent and like doing stuff himself. And Mm. so the more relaxed laws of Texas seem to appeal to him more. Well, that makes sense because... Yeah, he's kind of like a centrist, in, in my in my opinion, he's more right wing. But um, yeah, Texas is like trying to get out of the whole thing, so they're yeah. like, we're gonna be our own thing and go on our own grid. I'm like, your system literally failed you. Like, you did not polarize <laughs> or weatherize your uh, your uh, electric. So like, <laughs> what are you trying to do on your own if you can't even do that? Exactly. So, Sorry, I mean, Texas people, but well. There are real consequences to the behaviors <laughs> that you point. exhibit. Yeah, weather is real. <laughs> and so, yeah, well, I mean, it was the same thing here. And, like, the fact that, you know, mm. we were out of power for, I think, two weeks, uh, which is short relative to some other people mm. during that ice storm in October. But, like, the fact that, like, OG&E suggested during a survey was, like, For us to make all of our power lines underground, it would cost this much. Would you be open to having your bill be a little bit more because of that? And I'm like, no, fuck you. You're a monopoly. You have the money for this and this is your fault. Yes. (laughs) Truth. Why should I have to pay for that? Yep. This yeah. wasn't my fault. Yeah, and people are like, um, I have like $20,000 in like electrical bills. Like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I don't know, take responsibility for your shit, but. <laughs> yeah. But it also goes back to like where capitalism just sucks and like privatized industries just suck. Yeah. <laughs> and then insurance above everything. And it's like, you know, there's one pill uh, for migraines that's like. In other, uh, I'm not going to say Europe is, like, amazing. It's definitely, like, fascist. But mm-hmm. the pill there specifically is, like, $4 a pill, and here it's $88. Mm-hmm. $88 a pill. Like, someone with, like, severe migraines. And I'm not, I mean, we can even think about insulin. Like, that's freaking gold here. Yeah. And then in Canada, it's, like, nothing. They're handing it out. Like, I low-key was trying to smuggle some for some of my friends that are, like, <laughs> type A di- diabetics here. Yeah. But uh, medicine privatizes bullshit. But then we can go back to, like, you know, landlords and all that. And then, like, the micros of everything. And there's 
There's definitely other things. But that's why also, like, when we talk about exploitation of workers, I like to talk about restaurants locally because a lot of people think that the only people we need to hold accountable are, like, way up here with, like, Amazon and the big companies that mass produce and, like, go talk to different countries about exploitation of labor and production and all that. But it's also, like, depends on, like, our mom and pa stores that just aren't paying people right and, like, are more than, like, enough. They're able to pay people right. Um, mm. And creating those conversations are important. It's like, well, I'm not worried about them. And I'm like, why? If we can't even change our own community, how do you expect to change beyond that? Because I don't believe in what the government's trying to feed us and, like, the institutions that we have in mm. place. So, like, why would I try and, like, go to them and, like, speak to them when this is actually tangible? Yeah. I'm a lot of people, there's a lot of nuances to that, but that's how I feel. Right. Well, there, from that is sort of the, the notion of like, think globally, act locally. Mm-hmm. And so the little things that you do in your community is what impacts the rest of the world. Right. Yeah. You can't just like, yeah, there are massive systemic changes also that need to happen. But like what we as individuals also need to do is like do the little things within our own communities because every one of those numbers stacks up. And so when everyone does a thing and it goes, it expands. Yeah. That's why my (laughs) friends who are creating this food truck called peace and pancakes, like they say whatever they get with their money, like it's going to be a lot of work that it's going to like be, um, transitional, like they're trying to like evolve the way we look at money. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to say money is the root of all evil. Like I think that it's definitely an energy source, but I also think that it could be <laughs> managed better. Like how could we not deny that? And that's the thing with like neoliberalism, where people are like, well, there's capitalism no matter what. And I'm like, yeah, but there's also definition of like propaganda for capitalism and propaganda to like implement ideas and like movement and art and like there's ways to go about this that we could like hack this system that we haven't figured out yet because also we don't have enough time to and we're like trying to pay our bills and feed ourselves at the same time and also take care of our families like that's impossible but if we work together and like try to pocket these little things in the area and the world that like we can put our little um seeds if you will Mm -hmm. of what we want to see change. I mean, I think in unity, it will make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Which goes back to that idea of like the things that we are perceiving and the way that we communicate, the ideas that we're sharing with each other is what shapes reality. Yeah. And so the, like, yes, we do want sort of like this mass systemic change with like systemic racism and everything. I did a whole podcast thing. You can, Check it out. Forget I forget the number that it was, but like if you go to SantiagoRamones.com slash podcast slash systemic racism, I like cited my resources. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I'll check that out. I haven't seen it. But um the the thing is is that like we the little people can't just wait around for behemoths yep. to change for us. Yeah. Like, it'll just, like, snap and it's just all figured out. So, like, yeah, there are things that need to happen. uh, But, like, what else can we do in the meantime? Yeah. And so that is one of the the harder things about it with with activism is that, like, we are very vocal about, like, pointing out all of the wrong things in the system and all the things that we – like want to be better but 
we also are not concrete enough about the very specific things that we want. What do we actually want? What are the actual steps that we can take? What is our vision for the world that we want to be better? Mm -hmm. Instead of just like, don't do bad thing. What is the actual thing that can be better? Mm -hmm. And so there is a lot of anger and fury in like, Yes, police brutality is bad and systemic racism is bad. And we are, we've gotten past that step of like acknowledging these bad things. Uh, For myself, seeing a 13 year old Latino boy get shot that looks like how I did when I was that age is like terrifying. No, Steven Rodriguez, right? Um, Adam Toledo. Um, But, like, the concrete things that we need to do for policing is very complex. Mm -hmm. And the, like, okay, let's think about what happens when we abolish police versus divest from the police versus invest in the police Mm -hmm. versus – so, like, what are the concrete things that we're doing And what are the ideas that are being shared that can actually create some sort of change? And if we don't have any nuance within that, we're not actually going to make any progress. We're just going to be arguing and yelling at each other about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so the – I don't know. Like that's one thing about like the – social justice lately for me that I feel hasn't been effective enough is that we're very vocal about the things that are wrong, but not concrete enough about the solutions. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are people who are concrete about like, what would happen if we abolish the police? But most of the time, what I just see is just abolish the police. Okay. And then what? Because do you want, privatized mercenary police because that sounds terrifying and fuck that. <laughs> and so what else can we do? Can we have a 911? Can we have an 811? Can we right. have a 711? And like and have, more rehabilitations, please, because mm-hmm. we have like none in Oklahoma, so they all end up in jail. <laughs> right. And can we have a more uh, accessible healthcare system so that people can have access to mental health services? Can we have so like these are all sort of bigger systemic things that we need to look at, but it's also like concrete things in the real world that we need to move towards rather than just... I think it's a scary idea too. I mean, rather than just... Right, right, right. Were you going to... No, go ahead. Okay. Honestly, I just think it's a really scary idea whenever people think, well, the police is all we have. You know, it's that idea of like having to re-change things that have never been blueprinted in our minds. Mm -hmm. It's like this, again, Eurocentric idea that like the police are it and that's it. But I definitely do believe in like community coming together and just being able to approve of things and being like, yeah, like let's start this conversation of like, what are we going to allow in our community? <laughs> like, what do we actually genuinely want in our communities? And then it's like very scary because there's a tons of people with all different ideas. So it's very scary to imagine what that, that world's going to look like. But honestly, I feel like it's going to be better than what we have now. Um, it's a very oppressive system that leads to a lot of uh, privatized jails and 
freaking famous people and politicians that get money off of jails and markets and jails and it's just crazy i mean even private not private prisons are still marketed and not marketed but they're still profitable prisons every single one of them so it's just insane and then you see what's happening at the county jail like that's what i think is like very important is for people that are aren't about abolishing the police just look at like how we treat prisoners and like how we treat each other and like what the justice system even really looks like for people. Um, when I think about people that are, um, trigger warning, but like assaulters, um, I'm like, we never get justice for that. Like, I'm not, I mean, yeah, like, especially for black women specifically, Hispanic, indigenous in general, like there's no real justice when it comes to murderers of, um, especially like when that one guy was, uh, caught like, he murdered like 20 prostitutes and they were all like a part of indigenous roots. And he was like, well, who cares? Like, da da da. And it's like, things like that just happen all of the time though, mm-hmm. especially in like very rural areas. Like that's a very well-known thing called like, I forget what they called it, but like night drives is where they don't want to take the money to like do paperwork for specific like native Americans. And so they would just like drop them off in the frost. And like, that was like a ritual thing to do with, with police, like listen to those stories and you'll definitely soon realize that well, they're not genuinely here to protect us. We are just money in their pocket. And, you know, not all cops are bad, but all <laughs> oh, not all cops are bad, not all men. But, you know, it's like whenever you work with an oppressive system, how are you not? You know, like in the end. These... Sorry, you couldn't hear me cringing. But, yeah, uh... <laughs> I just had to say it. You yeah, know, yeah. we just have to say those <laughs> things. Um, we really don't. But it's that same thing of like, we don't want to make anyone mad. But like, <laughs> to what extent am I giving up my moralistic ideas for your comfortability in a world that shouldn't be you know uh but yeah I definitely believe in a better world of like community coming together and people holding each other genuinely accountable and I'm not I'm not anti-gun I don't know if you are but I'm not um (laughs) I'm not anti-gun um and I believe that we can use those to protect ourselves in right ways but there's also better regulations to have on guns and we need to not have those gun fairs to like give anyone a gun Mm -hmm. like i think there should be i don't know maybe it's ableist to say extenuous back um ground check but uh more accountability with that than just like free for alls Mm -hmm. i mean there's a profitable business with guns obviously so we need to get to that point Mm -hmm. but again capitalism like there's just ways around these things (laughs) so um the middle way uh as you spent some time in buddhism the the middle way is sort of like finding the balance in between mm-hmm. the extremes and more so i find not to say that like oh everyone should be a centrist because that's dumb but like the it's finding the balance between the ideas on either side be political centrism as it exists as an identity right now is not actual political centrism but (laughs) the the idea of like let's listen to each other and listen to even voices in our own communities that might be dissenting from opinions i have a friend who uh cleans carpets and he has spent a lot of time in like black households and he's had like middle-aged black men come up to him and this was before the election he was like i'm gonna they were like i'm gonna vote for trump because like those democrats never did anything for me yeah and there's so many of those people that hold that opinion and 
they have valid thoughts. Mm -hmm. And because they're not in the forefront of our mind, again, back to the idea of the things that our perceptions shape our reality, since those people aren't at the forefront of our conversation, they're not heard. Yeah. And so... And I mean, they are right. <laughs> yeah, to extent, right. They the are Democrats right. never did anything no. for them. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, like let's talk about Biden's like first week. Like how many people he put in ICE? <laughs> like was like thirty thousand? I forget. There were a lot of people that he imprisoned within that week, <laughs> specifically like quote unquote undocumented people. Mm-hmm. And like how we talked about abolishing the ICE jails, and like that literally will never happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> and- I mean, I hope I hope to have that happen. That sounds really like messed up for me to say because we have to have hope for a better future but uh under biden's term i'm not going to say he's our god and we'll fix it all because i do not identify as democratic (laughs) yeah uh if you can see here not you listener but uh you megan can see here that that is my pile of documents from uscis uh united states customs and immigration services uh because i am waiting to get my green card (laughs) okay (laughs) and so it's like and it's probably really hard to go through. It's it, it's a whole process that is a, like a bunch of hoops to jump through. And I like <laughs> I was talking to my brother about this yesterday, but like there are few things that upset me. I'm a very patient person, mm-hmm. but I will fucking throw down if it involves immigration because I lived it. I grew up undocumented Mm. and so um the the point that i'm getting to is that like my views on immigration are very specific because i have lived it and so anyone who thinks they have a very informed view of what any single aspect in systemic issues you haven't lived it yet. And so you have to listen to the people who have lived it. And so, I don't know, like the, if you've listened to the season three of the serial podcast, uh, where they like followed all the different stories at a, um, city hall and followed all of the like criminal cases and stuff and like you can really see all of the instances where like the justice system is really flawed and racist and fucked up and like you're not going to know that unless someone like gives you that story firsthand um and so like every one of these things is sort of like we need that message to be able to understand our reality better uh the propaganda and things that everyone is fed on whatever side is going to shape what we think the world is and so yeah Yeah. what we deem is real the like the the fact that like there are people in the state that like still don't think that COVID is real. Hmm. Or that it's made by 5G. Right. Like, that's a big problem because they're not living in a closer to real world. 
none of us are living in the real world. Right, we don't right. we don't have an accurate frame of yeah. the world that we're living we in. We just got here and we're like, oh, this is how it is. Yeah. <laughs> but they're living in a less accurate version right. of the real world. And how did they get there? Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're not talking to those people mm-hmm. is also a problem. Um, I don't know what to do about the fact that there are like people around me that are okay with the fact that Adam Toledo was shot, for example. And that is a very real effect on my life. And I don't know how to talk to those people. I don't know if it's going to turn into an argument. I don't know if it's going to like end up with me cutting people out of my life. And that makes me very uncomfortable. And I'm not looking forward to those conversations. And I don't really know what to do about it, but I think just the conversation is going to need to be had eventually. And while it might be uncomfortable, it'll get us somewhere. (laughs) I want to apologize for speaking on something that you personally have been going through because I didn't know that. and I didn't want to like explain you on something that like you're obviously more informed on and actually like physically going through so i, I didn't want to be that person no you're fine <laughs> um but you did yeah. not say anything inaccurate okay i was just i just didn't want to like speak on your experience that like mm. you literally know more than me um but i just didn't know that you were yeah uh support to you um i definitely have had friends that i've had to go through that and like it's bullshit like half the americans i have to go through this like they wouldn't be able to like there's no way and i'm like you are so right like half of us didn't even listen to history like we could not do a test or anything like that to like get our green card if we had to um but yeah it all goes back to like abolishing these systems and like what oppresses people and it's like those things were like recently had a conversation with someone that was like you know i just don't get into politics and i'm like well i get that but like why don't you and they're like well i just don't need to and i'm like but why don't you need to like look at your genetics if you can (laughs) take a look in the mirror like why didn't you have to you're just a white cis man so like i'm not saying you're at fault for these things like don't put the white guilt on them because you physically have not done these things but your heritage has (laughs) like And also just the fact that you are white has placed you on an upper hand. Like just recognizing that does no harm to anyone. It it is ignoring the fact that you are in that privileged stance is what is going to do harm. And uh, it's just uh, being able to push people to care. I mean, it's just so hard if like they already have their issues, which are so overwhelming to them in their mind. But they can't even imagine what it's like to fight for that kind of work Mm -hmm. and to be accepted in a society to where like if you're not just white and cis, like other than that, you're just like, why are you here? Or like you had to work really hard to be here, didn't you? And it's like, why can't we all just exist? Like we're considered the melting pot here. Right. So like, can we just act like it for a second? But like, it's just not real, you know? And, uh, yeah, that all goes back to, like, why this these systems need to be abolished. Like, there's no reinforcement or, um, what is it called, reimagination, really. Like, it's not called abolish the police, but restructure the police. It's like, no, we just don't need it. Like, it wasn't the, the police came about from, like, the KKK. Like, <laughs> it was from, like, Nightwatch. Nightwatch. Okay. Uh, yeah. Who were usually drunkards themselves. And then, and then it uh, turned into... Uh, slave catchers. There so we whenever go. there were escaped That's slaves, what it was. they would get people to round them up and okay. get them back into slavery. Thank you for that refresh. <laughs> yeah. And that's a whole other thing. We just have to think about like, oh, these systems that are in place, like where do they come from? Oh, like 
Why do banks exist? Oh, they own majority of the land. Well, who's like, approving of these bank loans and who's approving of land access? And then, oh, well, what are all the documents that we need and credit scores? And we just have to really think about these Eurocentric colonized perspectives. Question the premise and then question the premise below that yeah <laughs> question everything yeah <laughs> question it all yeah and, but specifically and that might lead supremacy. to some kind of uncomfortable discoveries within totally. yourself or you know i i fell out of religion because i like asked the right questions mm. and so like it wasn't just why does god want me to worship him it then became why does god want and then why does God? <laughs> yeah, and then God. <laughs> right. And so like the uh, – this is another thing I talked to my brother about the other day. But it's like if you can't defend even the simplest of stances, then what is like what are you even defending? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's like – if you can't be like, like if you can't even answer the question, like, why shouldn't minors be sexualized? Mm. Even if even the question like makes you uncomfortable, but you're not able to like actually state the reasons as to why minors shouldn't be sexualized, mm. then like you haven't questioned the premise enough. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so even the horrendous things that seem so, like, easy to us, we should still be able to break all the way down and be able to answer. And it also deals with conversations with, again, those people that are directly impacted by those those things and those awful things that happen in our societies and what we deem as acceptable, once again, um, is that being able to be like, okay, well— why did this hurt you for so many years that you were sexualized at such a young age? Like, why, why was that so traumatic for you? And then and I'm not saying to like, don't reach out to a victim and ask that, <laughs> but like, if you were able to get that in-depth experience or just simply look up videos on YouTube of like human experiences that people go through in life, mm-hmm. uh, then you'll get more of a perspective. Listen to different podcasts. You don't agree with, agree with once again, like just get different ideas. I've had to do that. There's been several like white, I mean, white, sorry, <laughs> It's on my mind. Right wing conservative podcast that I've definitely cringed through the whole entire thing, but I listen to it because I'm like, man, I just have to know where these people are coming from. Like, I just have to. I mean, I can't just continue to, again, be stuck in an eco chamber that only agrees with me. I mean, I just I'm not going to get very far in life if I have to surround with people that agree with me, because also I'm not looking for a yes man. Like, I just don't need that. (laughs) I can find that yes man in me, but I also am not going to do the ignorance is bliss thing where it's like, I just I don't believe in that. And we need to look beyond the curtain at some point or another. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I, I can't really find a good way of wrapping that up, but like <laughs> the time is what it is. So therefore, uh, <laughs> Megan, thank you so much for doing this with me. Where yeah, can we find great. you and your things? Oh, yeah. Um, me, oh, my OKC is where I'll be plugging everything into. I just want to give a short shout out, though, to like Red Dirt Collective, Commonwealth, Liliana Timbo Farms, Uproot and Rising, and Indian Territory in Oklahoma. Check those out. And yeah, keep on keeping on. This is Santiago chiming in to update that Megan Wiggins is now under veggie underscore Casanova. So that is V E G G I E underscore Casanova. (laughs) Sweet. Yeah. Um, And then I guess 
I always forget to ask this question. Uh, what is one or two things that you're like watching or reading or listening to or playing that uh, you want people to know about? Yeah, currently right now I'm listening to a podcast pretty much daily. Actually, two that I'll shout out. <laughs> one is uh, called Indigenous Action. It's a really, really good podcast that y'all should look up. It doesn't have a ton of episodes, but it gives you a pretty big inside look on what like tribal activity is that the word? Activists? We'll just <laughs> say that. Activism. Yeah, we'll there say that. Go. Is like, and also um, Bitter Brown Femmes. I love them. You guys should check them out. They talk a lot about like Latinx issues and being Chicano and stuff like that. And one is from El, um, El Paso in Texas and the other one lives in California, but they're both, uh, they're bisexual and also queer and like non-gendering conforming, but y'all should check those out. That's what I'm listening to. As far as reading, I'm actually not reading anything right now besides like a bunch of farming stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I can't really think of any like specific book title right now, but uh, I was reading one about a compost, a natural compost heater, which is really interesting to like generate natural heat to like germinate seedlings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Uh, and I guess to say the things that I've been listening to is a uh, feeling good podcast with uh, Dr. David Burns is, I mean, I straight up didn't even like, oh, let me like find the newest one, like see what's up. But like, I just started at the beginning and have just been going all the way through it. And it's been like, again, really good for my mental health. So nice. like, that's self-care. Really cool. We love um, it. <laughs> and like, there's some like really beautiful and like almost magical stories in there. And like, I've cried often. So <laughs> <That's good. laughs> just listening to other people's stories, yes. you know? Um, and then... Oh gosh, what was the the music that I was going to say? Uh, Sunlux has a new album called Tomorrow's Three, and that's really good. Uh, I guess I should say that like by the time that this podcast is out, my EP will be out. So go listen to that if I didn't already put it in like the outro of every single <laughs> one of these. Uh, but yeah, uh, once again. Megan, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was amazing. Thank you for giving me this chance to talk with you. It was wonderful to have human contact. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully there's more of this soon. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm Santiago Ramones. I'm Megan Wiggins. You can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. I have an EP, a short album, that is streaming everywhere right now. It's called Sound Bites. The music you're hearing right now is from Soundbites. Listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music, and anywhere else you stream music, or buy it on Bandcamp, because a single purchase is the monetary equivalent of streaming it all day, every day, for a year. I'm also working on another album, so if you'd like to hear that at some point, you can buy my music, or you can support me on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Santiago Ramones. Follow me on Instagram to stay up to date with all the stuff that I'm doing, both at bit.depth and at Santiago Ramones Music. There's also a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. Go to santiagoramones.com slash discord to join. If you like the podcast, leave comments on social media, leave reviews by saying how much you like the podcast, and tell your friends about it. I really couldn't be doing this without you, and I am so very grateful to continue doing BitDepth for this long. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong. <laughs>